Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Mike Morrow, Ron Hayes, and Jason Loftus, and Mark Raycroft. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed podcast. We just had a great weekend where we visited uh, Yellowstone National Park. Finally got in the field, back with Jason Loftus, who was there and set that trip up. Jason, how's it been since you got home? Uh, it's been great. You know, it's it's funny. I always talk on the show how I have this OCD issue with not being able to work through files um, unless they're in sequential order, right? So if I take a, if I do a shoot, I can't mess with those files until I get done with the files I've already done previously. Uh, little OCD issue for me, but anyways, uh, it feels really good because it's Wednesday after the shoot. We got home on Sunday evening, and I am all done with that with that shoot. So I'm all caught up, and I'll tell you what, it feels really good. Not <laughs> to not have any of those weighing on me. So I'll be honest, I was a little bit shocked. <laughs> because I sent you a text of one of the images that I had and said, yeah, I just went through that one myself for that same shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was I was surprised to hear that you were already in the middle of that. We had a great shoot. We had quite a few images that came from it, even though it was kind of slow. Um, I felt like we capitalized on quite a few images. So, yeah. Um, anyways, go keep going. Enough of, enough of that. Tonight we've got a great guest for you, some great stories from the field, and a guy who does it a little bit different than most. And I think you're going to be pleased to hear some of the things that Jimmy Brightstein has to tell us. Welcome, Jimmy, to the show. And it's Jimmy B. in the wild, if you know him from Instagram. But we want to welcome you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here talking with you guys tonight. Full story, we ran into Jimmy in uh, the park on our trip this weekend. And some of the stories that he was just sharing while we were waiting for a subject to to make a move um, kind of got me thinking. And I know Jason's mentioned we should have him on before, but I think you guys will enjoy this podcast and kind of the way Jimmy goes about his business. So let's... Let's fire it off right away this time, Jason, because I think this could be a doozy. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, what is your favorite ever outdoor experience? You know, that's such a hard question to answer. That's like saying, what's my favorite piece of apple pie? It's just, I mean, every experience that I have in nature is just so amazing. Uh, but, you know, this is something I've thought about a lot. And there's a couple experiences that stand out a little bit more than others. And a few years ago, I was backpacking through Montana. It was late fall, uh, just really cold time of year, beautiful time of year to be out in nature. And uh, I was getting everything set to uh, get put away for the night, getting ready to go to bed. And I was hanging up my bear bag and I'm pulling it up, tying it off. And I see something move out of the corner of my eye and I look over and I thought it was a big bear coming out of the, uh, the brush nearby. And it was just dark enough where I couldn't exactly tell, like I could see the outline of what it was. And that's why I thought it was a bear at first. 
Uh, but once it got closer, I noticed it was this enormous black wolf. And, you know, wolves are my absolute favorite of any, any animal out there. And uh, this wolf just comes up and, you know, I just gotten done hanging my bear bag and he comes close enough to me where I couldn't focus on him with my camera. And I had, uh, you know, Tamron lens on there and it's got about a six, seven foot focal range. And I couldn't focus on him because he was so close. He was just standing there and he was enormous and he was just looking at me and he looked at me, looked up at the bear bag, looked back at me looked at the bear bag and then he looked behind me and so i i turned around behind and looked and there were two more circling in from behind two more black wolves just kind of loping behind and uh he kind of looked at them and then he ran off and they all kind of ran off into the trees and for the next like seven ish minutes the whole pack just around my camp just howled nonstop, and it was just i mean getting goosebumps now just talking about it. It was such an amazing experience. And uh, just, you know, wolves in the first place are amazing. Being out in such a beautiful place was fantastic. But just to have them, the whole pack howling all around me was just phenomenal. Such an awesome, awesome experience. So just for everybody that doesn't camp in bear country, could you explain what you mean by bear bag? Yeah, sorry. So... A bear bag is where you keep all of your scented items, all your food. So, uh, you know, I was out there for a while. I've got all my food jammed into this bag. I've got my toothpaste, my deodorant, uh, all that stuff, anything that smells that might attract a bear. I've got it shoved into this bag and you pick a limb of, of the tree at least, you know, 12 feet or so off the ground and a couple feet away from the tree and you you uh, throw a line over that limb and you hoist your bag up and you tie it off. That way, no bears in the area, if they smell that, just because they have excellent sense of smell, uh, if they smell that, they're unable to get to it and become habituated or used to human food, uh, anything like that. So it's just a safety precaution that you take when you're out uh, in bear country to make sure that they're not getting into trouble. Awesome. So we alluded to you kind of do things a little bit differently. And that is a good lead in to, to what we're talking about. So kind of tell us about your photography background, how you got involved and what kind of country you like to spend your time in. So I got my first camera. I was about seven ish years old. I just got a little film camera. And that's like all I wanted for Christmas. So my dad got me that for Christmas. And, you know, I grew up on these nature shows, PBS Nature. That was my favorite show growing up. I always had library books uh, that I would get from school or the library. And they were always about animals and nature. And so just, you know, growing up, I've always just, I love nature. I love wildlife. Uh, it's just kind of in my blood, I guess, ingrained in me. And so just from a very young age, I was just fascinated with these nature shows and these books when you could read about the authors or the photographers and just seeing what these people would do for pictures. I remember this reading about this one guy. He spent like six months in a photo blind just to photograph a snow leopard. 
and it just crazy stuff like that and it just always fascinated me so as a child with this little film camera i would go out to my grandma's house out in california and she had decent sized property out there and she had black-tailed deer and raccoons and opossums the occasional mountain lion even just so many cool animals that would come through her property and i would just go out hiking looking for what i could find throughout the day and uh, get what pictures i could and uh, i would always find these you know mountain lion carcasses and whatnot and i'd get my little notepad and write down you know when i saw it and where i saw it and what pieces of it was eaten first just different things like that and so i've just i've always loved wildlife ever since i was just a little kid and uh i got my first dslr i mean years years later um about eight nine years ago and that's when i really decided that hey i'm you know i'm gonna do this i always love these photographers that i saw in these shows and read about in these books growing up I'm going to give it a try and see what I can do. And that that's when I really started trying to learn photography and not just point and shoot or whatever. And so I started off a little bit with landscape photography. I wasn't doing a whole lot of wildlife until about six years ago or so. And that's when I really jumped into the wildlife photography. I've always loved observing wildlife like I alluded to before. Uh, but yeah, about six or so years ago, that's when I really jumped in with the camera and started, uh, you know, making wildlife photography goals and different things like that. And so I've just always loved photography, different things like that. And then, uh, uh to answer your other question of how I kind of do things, how I enjoy doing things, uh, it, you say it's different, but to me, it's just normal. But I, I guess most people don't do it this way. But I love getting out into the backcountry. I love photographing backcountry wildlife. So, you know, loading up my backpack and just escaping into the mountains for days or even weeks at a time. And just having everything I need on my back, carrying my camera. That's the way I love finding wildlife just tracking you know being one as cheesy as that sounds being one with nature and just uh you know going about it much like a hunter would or you know something like that but you know i've got a camera instead and that that's how i enjoy photographing wildlife the most yeah and i think the majority of our audience are hobbyist photographers and probably spend their time in areas where animals are habituated and to find those subjects that other people don't get to, there's a, a special kind of reward for that. For sure. And, you know, I do my fair share of photographing more habituated wildlife. You know, like you mentioned before, I ran into you guys in Yellowstone this last weekend. And the wildlife along the road there, they're about as habituated as you can get. And I still love that type of photography. It's just, you know, there's something for me that escaping out into the back country it's just a different level for me of enjoyment and the experiences that come with it that that's another important part of it for me is the experiences and so that that's a huge part for me but i do love the roadside photography as well the more habituated national park wildlife stuff like that uh, it's just all great i mean wildlife's wildlife i'll take whatever i can get <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we talk about it, right? I mean, for a lot of folks, they don't have a lot of time to get out and do this kind of stuff, especially the folks that are hobbyists and do it on their weekends and their free time. So, you know, going to a place like Yellowstone is is probably a bigger bang for your buck because to go out and do it like you do, Jimmy, a lot, um, it's it's not it's not always as productive if you're, you know, the quantity of images you may get. You may go on a trip like that and may not even get, you know, any animal images necessarily. But when you do, it's more rewarding for sure. And I was just going to say, I've been, you know, I, I'm embarrassed to admit that I've been friends with Jimmy for, I don't know, six, seven years now. I guess we met probably when you first first started getting into wildlife out on Antelope Island, of all places. And I remember running into you in the field out there and just sitting down and chatting one evening with you and, and getting to know you a little bit better. And we've just kind of stayed in touch ever since. But um, yeah, no, I'm embarrassed to admit because I've been friends with you for so long that I wasn't cl connected close enough to know that you had a YouTube channel and that you uh, have, you know, taken this passion and you're doing it full time now. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that too. I'm very interested to hear how that how that um, transition was for you. But the point I was trying to make was watching your YouTube channel, and I've known this anyways, just because I know you a little bit. But watching your YouTube your YouTube channel, you can definitely see the passion of what you do, and it shines through in your videos. And it, I really have enjoyed watching the videos. I've probably watched only about 10 of them so far, but I'm excited to watch the next few. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of started at the back and I'm just working through them and I've gotten through your, uh, a bear trip that you did, you know, a few, you had four episodes or so of that. But anyways, um, the passion just really shines through. And when you say you love all those animals, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I know you're not lying. I know you mean that. Um, and it's actually really enjoyable to watch your videos and to see that passion shining through. So anyways, just a little bit of a kudos to you for making the leap and, um, you know, chasing this passion and doing it full time. But maybe that, that's a good way to transition into you talking a little bit about, you know, how that was and, you know, maybe how you're approaching it. Yeah, for sure. And, and I appreciate you saying that, you know, those videos, I, I love putting them together. They're so much fun and it, 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 it's always rewarding when I hear somebody say that they enjoy watching them. And, uh, you know, I've had some people say it feels like they're right there with me experiencing what I'm experiencing. And that's my goal as I put those videos together is I want the viewer to feel like they're right there by my side, seeing that animal. And, you know, I, I truly am passionate about wildlife and nature. And it's, it's just so fun to get out there and to see so many amazing species to uh, photograph and just observe from a distance and stuff like that. So I appreciate you saying that, that means a lot. And uh, j just to kind of go into that, like you had mentioned of how that transition was and how that worked. So just to give a little bit of a background, uh, I worked for, I mean, over a decade and I always thought this was gonna be my career, but in the financial industry, I managed a real estate department for a local uh, financial institution. And that's what I did. And I stuck behind a desk all the time. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that job and what it enabled me to do throughout that time. But it got to the point where I just had to really analyze my life and where it was going and what I had accomplished after, you know, years of being at this job that, again, I'm grateful for, but it's never what I wanted to do full time uh, as, as a kid. And I feel like, you know, when we're kids, we've got these dreams that we we always think about. And then as we grow older, 
those dreams just kind of turn into daydreams, things that'll never happen. And, uh, you know, I had a couple experiences that I won't get into, but it really made me analyze just, you know, where things were going and where I wanted them to go. And, you know, the thing that was always right there at the top was becoming a professional wildlife photographer. So, you know, I would get out as often as I could while I was working this job every weekend almost and before work and after work. Uh, a lot of days just to photograph whatever I could and it was so fun and so finally I just you know in talking with my wife we discussed priorities and all sorts of things and goals and dreams all that stuff and we just decided to go for it so uh, for the next few years I just I worked the equivalent of essentially two full-time jobs just getting ready to make the leap uh, just because I knew it would be a lot more frugal living for the first, you know, part of things, uh, quitting my job and everything. So I worked essentially the equivalent of two full-time jobs just to get ready to make the leap. And then about 14, 15 months ago, I, I uh, gave my notice and left my job. And, you know, the only regret I have of that whole experience was not doing it sooner. Honestly, it, it's just, it has been so much fun. And, uh, you know, I've, I've started building this YouTube channel. It's, it's coming along and, uh, it's, it's been really fun putting together and, uh, I've got some other projects I'm working on, uh, on the side as well. But, uh, you know, it's just been so rewarding and it's, brought my family so much joy to uh, make this transition and it's just been fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I don't, um, I mean, you talked about working two jobs. I mean, I, I'm assuming you were trying to just get some financial things squared away in that, or was, was that also, um, you know, prepping to have content and things of that nature too? Was there some of that involved or, you know, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm really so curious about that. So anyways. Yeah, great question. Uh, a little bit of both. So I had my full-time job that was more than a full-time job. And then I had uh, a couple side jobs that I started here and there, uh, just in other fields, just to start saving up money, like you indicated, just to kind of get a little nest egg saved up in preparation. But also, you know, going out pretty much daily with the camera just to get content built up. Before I ever started the YouTube channel, I had 12 videos uh, that I would post on that channel. I had those all shot and edited, ready to upload, just to have a little buffer in case, you know, there's a week I couldn't get a video out or something. And so, yeah, a little bit of both, uh, you know, the combination of working additional job as well as just trying to really boost the photography. Yeah, very cool. Sorry, Ron, you were going to say something. I, well, I just was going to say I feel your pain on that because it's the same way. And then you add the podcast onto that, which people think we make all kinds of money on this podcast, but it doesn't pay us anything. In fact, it's a money pit, but <laughs> it's it's something that we enjoy doing and, and getting to meet people like yourself and, and hear your story. It's it's a, a passion project more than anything else, but doing the photography thing plus another full-time job, it's definitely something that the whole family needs to buy into because it is 
a strain on your on your time for sure and i feel so blessed to have you know a wife and son that support me and in this endeavor and i try to support them as much as i can as well and in their goals and everything and it's it's just great to be in it together as a family it's been wonderful just to your point jimmy about having the family involved uh, a couple of my favorite videos so far have been the ones where your wife and your kid have been tagging along so anyways just I, I would keep that going just from my own perspective. I think that's really neat. And then I know those are probably just local hikes and their day hikes and stuff, but um, yeah, just get another kudos to you. I think the videos are really well done and I'm sure you've progressed over time. So I'm excited to see, you know, how the, the newer ones actually look too. But I was going to kind of jump back to when we met. So part of the doing things a little bit differently is the morning that we ran into you. I think it was, at the coldest point, it was about 10 below. Um, and uh, we are sleeping in this nice cozy house that Jason found for us, VRBO. And you were sleeping where? Not in the house. Um, <laughs> I, so <laughs> I was just sleeping outside in the bed of my truck uh, in a sleeping bag and a little bivy sack. But you know, it, it's a good yeah, way to and go. We're not it's... talking under the topper. <laughs> yeah, the right. Let's be clear. Is just in the back of the truck. Hey, it's the best way to see the stars at night and <laughs> hear the owls in the area and everything. So it, it's a great way to go if uh, you're short on funds. Even if you're not, it, it's just a great way to go. Yeah, no, it's funny. We we've all been there. I think you know everybody here that we're everybody here tonight has absolutely done the the truck camping or the car camping for sure. Um, I just have never, I've never done it in the middle of the winter. That's, I guess that's what I'd say. So, but you know, what's funny is knowing you, I know that you love that. You love all of it. You love the, the whole, the whole adventure. And, uh, you know, that's a, just another doing it differently. Right. I mean, I think your passion is to go out where you hope you don't run into anybody else and to try to have solitude and to have those and just to let nature unfold. And then you are there with your camera to try to capture whatever comes your way. And, uh, you know, that's, it's, uh, I don't know, it's refreshing. Um, a lot of us don't, again, it's hard when you don't have time to necessarily do that. And you're trying to, you know, get images and trying to build a portfolio and, you know, you're trying to get the biggest bang for your buck. But if you're doing it for, depending on what you're doing it for, if you're doing it for resetting yourself and uh, clearing your mind and, you know, having those kind of experiences, I mean, you're, you're definitely doing it right. And, uh, I'm a little jealous, you know, I'm, uh, I think, um, it'd be fun to go along one of these times on one of your little adventures, you know, just to, but then that kind of defeats the purpose. I get it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a little jealous of the, the experiences that you're having and the way you approach things. No, and that, that's good to hear. And I think I, I really like what you said, uh, where it comes down to, you know, what your purpose or priority is out there. You know, you say a lot of people, who don't have the time to go out and do the backpacking, you know, they go out to these places that we talked about and they're just trying to get the bang for their buck as much as they can, as much content as they can with the amount of time. And that's great. If that's your purpose going out and you accomplish it, or even if you're just getting out and doing it, that's great. Like that's the most important part is just be out there and be enjoying yourself no matter how you're doing it. And like you said, for me, it's a way to reset. It's a way to just step back from the crowds. And I've done that so many times in Yellowstone where 
there's some amazing experience happening a hundred yards off the road. And, you know, there's 40 photographers lined up and I'll leave that situation and miss just some amazing opportunities. And I'll go take a hike and, you know, see a couple birds or, you know, a rabbit running around or coyote or whatever it is. And I'll get some pictures and maybe I missed out on that opportunity. But for me, like you indicated, it's about getting out into nature and the solitude that comes with it and just being one with your surroundings and that, that reset that you talked about, that's so important for me. And so I'll, I guess I should be careful when I say this, but I'll gladly give up a more, you know, epic encounter for some, some more secluded backcountry experiences. Uh, not to say I'll always do that, but I've, been known to do that a lot so. yeah, i've seen you do it personally you know and so i don't doubt that for a minute but and there's been times when i'm thinking to myself where is he going what's he doing you know he's just gonna walk away from this but but i mean i get it you know what i mean it's it's yeah you we don't need to beat that horse it's you you you're doing it for a, a specific reason and that makes a lot of sense to me some people just don't like those crowds at all and matter of fact most of us don't like those crowds to be quite honest it's just we we kind of put up with them and Unfortunately, our parks are getting loved to death and there's lots and lots more people. Fortunately, there's more and more people that are enjoying the outdoors and enjoying the parks. Unfortunately, that leads to, you know, big crowds and big traffic jams and, you know, lots of people getting the same images. And I think that's another benefit from the way you're approaching things is I'm pretty sure most of the images you have in your portfolio, there was nobody else there with you and nobody else has that image. You know what I mean? And there's something to be said for that. No, and I... Yeah, that's good to to bring that point up because, you know, I love I love the encounters with people. I mean, spending time with you and Ron with those bison that we were at, you know, a couple days ago, that was just fun to talk to you guys. I mean, it's been over a year since I've seen Jason, Ron. That was the first time we've met in person. And so it was just great to chat with you guys. And I, I do love that aspect. Um, but, yeah, it is fun to have an image that you're not going to see, you know, posted on Instagram by five other people or whatever. Um, not to say that you can't come away from a scenario like that, putting your own flair on an image. I mean, I've, I've been lined up with photographers before and I'll see the images after. And I just think, dang, how did they do that? Or look what they did with the lighting, you know, just different things like that. And you can definitely put your own flair on those images and those scenarios. But uh, I, I do like you know, finding those animals and having those encounters where I know that I'm not going to see those images anywhere else. It, it is fun. Yeah. Matter of fact, you and I were visiting while everybody else was still shooting because <laughs> you were content to visit and I had way too much lens to do anything else. So <laughs> it was, it was good to have somebody to talk to. <laughs> well, I apologize for distracting you if I did it all. Oh, no, yeah, it no fun not to, at all. Fun to meet you. And to visit a Not little at bit. All. It was good to visit. Did you even take a photo on when you walked out there, Jimmy? Honestly, I was thinking about that because no, I don't think I you didn't. did. I think you literally walked out there and basically cradled your camera while it was snowing on us, and just and just hung out and chatted with us, which was really you know was which was fun. It was really good. I, that's a big part. We talk about this all the time, but that's a big part of why I like this so much is you know the people that we meet and the friendships we make and the you know folks that share the same kind of passion, but. Yeah, that, yeah, you didn't take a single photo. I saw you walk out there and just pretty much hold your camera and 
you know, keep Ron some company while we were up front of him and getting in his way, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I brought my camera in I... case something just totally wild happened. But uh, <laughs> I walked out with it with kind of the knowledge that I probably wasn't going to take a picture. But, you know, just have it there and ready just in case. Right. So looking at your portfolio, you've spent a lot of time all over the Rockies, but also in Alaska. Now, when you go to Alaska, are you camping the same way? Yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite places to go backpacking or camping. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's all out of a backpack. And I'll, I talk about this a little bit in one of my videos. I made a video that talks about the logistics of planning a trip like that and how I go about it personally. And just to summarize that, you know, I, I kind of research the area that I, I want to go explore and I'll contact the local pilots, compare rates and, uh, you know, reviews, proximity, all that stuff and uh, hire a pilot to go drop me off where I want them to drop me off. And I'll usually stay out there for about two weeks or so, uh, or just under two weeks, sometimes just over. And, uh, you know, it's just me and the wildlife out there, and it's it's great. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite places, if not my favorite place, to go backpacking. And it, it's just so much fun. It's so pretty up there. I was going to say, Alaska's tough to beat, whether you're backpacking, boating, kayaking, doesn't matter. It's You can find something to shoot everywhere, and it's always just incredible yeah beautiful beautiful place i i'm already dreaming about the next time i'll be up there it's it's just an amazing place does that become a yearly trip for you yeah that's become a yearly trip i think it's been five five years now i believe but uh yeah annual trip and uh i've got some stuff that i'm working on where hopefully in the next year or two it'll become more often than just once a year so uh, it, it, yeah, just amazing place. Like I said before, uh, very cool. Go ahead, now, that being said, I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, but you're doing some workshops as well, correct? So yeah, I'm, I'm working on getting some, uh, private workshops set up, uh, just cause I've had a lot of people talk to me about Alaska and just say, Oh, I wish I could experience something like that. Or, uh, you know, I, I don't have the time to go out and explore the areas to find the wildlife. I, just want to photograph some bears or, you know, whatever it is. So um, I've started working on putting some workshops together and uh, getting all the logistics behind that planned, all the transportation, base camp, you know, safety, all that stuff. And it, it's been a whole lot of fun. And, you know, not just in Alaska with bears, but uh, other, other places within the United States as well. I'm getting some workshops that I'm kind of, um, getting prepped in my head and uh, trying to figure out all the logistics behind those. So that that's something I'm hoping to be ro rolling out here in the next year or two is kind of my goal. So in your preparation for that, uh, how much of the contact time are you spending letting people know that just how real that experience is going to be and what to be prepared for? What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, knowing the difference between taking a drive into the first 15 miles in Denali to backpack and clear to Wonder Lake, 90 miles in the back. I got you. So 
those workshops are they are going to be a little bit different uh, just because you know most people well i don't want to say most people i don't want to generalize but uh, a, a lot of people they're not going to want to do a lot of that backpacking portion of it they just want to go out and spend time with bears and that's a lot of what i do in alaska is i've just got my base camp you know there's been two trips now where i actually backpack you know for miles and miles each day and set up a new base camp and those are fun but once i find a good productive area out there in alaska i'll usually just pitch my base camp and i'll i'll sit tight and so that's kind of how i'm planning the workshops to be is you know i'll go out beforehand and i'll have explored these areas found where the bears are in this example and I'll have the base camp all set up and everything and, you know, I'll prep people kind of like you're asking, uh, I'll prep them and just say, hey, it's a little bit different. We're not staying in the lodge. We've got our base camp and tents, whatever, and just prep them in that way. But it's not going to be a lot of rigorous, you know, hiking with 60 pounds of gear each day, all that stuff. Uh, so, you know, just trying to figure all that out. So this is, you're, you're, you're just kind of getting this plan on knowing maybe, maybe we're asking too many questions about it because you're still kind of exploring what this might look like. It sounds like, but, um, are you thinking this is going to be like pretty personalized little small workshops with maybe, you know, a couple people max, or are you talking like doing bigger ones with, you know, five or six people or, um, it just, it, does that depend on, you know, like what people are looking for? Is it pretty open and flexible to those, to the, both those kinds of options or what are you thinking? Still trying to feel that out a little bit, but uh, kind of my ideal way of doing it, I guess, is going to be smaller workshops just to not stress the animals out. Just because I have seen large groups before, even with habituated wildlife and the wildlife starts getting uncomfortable because there's so many people, even if you're staying in a group, there's just too many people sometimes. So yeah, I'm kind of thinking like two to four max is kind of what I'm thinking, but I will have multiple workshops set up for the different species and whatnot. Uh, but as well for the, the photographers, I want it to be a very, you know, special experience and not just a lineup of photographers each day. Uh, I want it to be I want them to feel how I feel when I'm out in nature, just that solitude. And so, yeah, I want few enough people where I can give them that experience as well. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think if anybody's listening and curious, all you need to do is go watch a couple of his videos, um, on his YouTube channel, especially the ones on the bears in Alaska. But, um, yeah, it's the, that's the kind of experience I'm hoping to get. You know, you've, I think you heard about my whole experience in my bear trip and how it got ruined with COVID and everything. So the next time I go, I'm going to, I'm going to try to approach it the same, the same way you're talking, you know, and have that kind of experience. Cause I'm really, I, I don't think you could have a better experience. You're away from everybody. You're not with a big group. Like you said, the bears are going to be more natural cause they're not seeing a bunch of people every day, um, you know, coming through in big groups and, you know, feeling that pressure and everything. So anyways, I, I think you'll uh I think you'll be very successful with those workshops, you know. I might have to might have to get my name on the list for one of them. So. <laughs> ah, they sh they should be pretty fun. I'm excited for them. Jimmy, you spend a lot of time with the fox in the spring and multiple species. 
which is kind of a, a passion of mine also. What is your favorite species to spend time with? Hands down, it's the kit fox. Uh, like you mentioned, there's multiple species that I spend time with. Uh, red fox, swift fox, kit fox, uh, primarily. And, you know, the kit fox is by far my favorite. And it's a species that maybe some of the viewers have never even heard of before. It's also called the desert kit fox. Um, it's just, it's a desert dwelling species of fox that I just, I find them just fascinating. They've got these huge ears to help them dissipate heat throughout the day, uh, keeps them cooler in their arid environment. They can go their whole lives without ever drinking water. Uh, just the sleek form of their body is completely designed for hunting the prey that they do. And, uh, you know, they're just beautiful beautiful animals and so yeah hands down kit fox is my my favorite species of fox to photograph i just i love them they're so much fun i think a lot of people think it's interchangeable between kit fox and swift fox but you identified those major differences the ear size being the biggest and then locale yeah they they used to be considered the same species uh but don't quote me. I don't, I don't know how many years ago it was, uh, but they are now identified as two separate species. Some uh, some agencies still consider them as the same species, but you can clearly tell if you look at them side by side, you can clearly tell the difference. And uh, just, yeah, the habitats that they live in, they're similar, but at the same time, they're completely different. So uh, it's it's pretty easy to tell once you've spent time observing the two species. It's it's pretty clear to tell that they're they're different. What's the difference habitat? One's the desert dwelling, I guess, but what does the swift fox call home then? So the swift fox, primarily in open grasslands, oh, okay. is kind of their their preferred home out in the prairie, uh, different areas like that less arid areas they're still arid in their own right but not nearly as much as the kit fog gotcha and so that's uh that i'm assuming that's high desert i mean are we talking are we talking like um desert like sand desert yeah so i mean pretty much any desert in the united states you're gonna find them in there so you know in utah we've got two separate deserts we've got southern utah more of that red rock and then we've got the west desert uh, they're found in, found in both of those those deserts if you go further south into mexico texas they're up found there uh, throughout california the deserts out there in nevada uh, just all those areas and then you take the swift fox and that's more the open plains prairies uh, grasslands areas like that but they can be a desert dweller also i mean especially like you said jason the the high deserts are red desert in southern wyoming has a lot of swift fox um, and i know there's been some kit fox identified in wyoming but i don't know that they come much out of the south end or that southern desert most of what you'll find in wyoming is the, the swift fox and there in north yeah i can see the the kit fox are even a little bit smaller which makes sense because they're a desert dweller as small as a swift fox is the kit fox is still a little bit smaller just because they're living in those arid areas yeah they're teeny people don't realize i mean looking at pictures just how small they are uh, i mean they're just a little bit bigger than the size of a house cat they're not they're not big 
Uh, the adults, especially the males, you know, they can, when you see their big bushy tails, they can look pretty big, but I mean, their, their bodies are just really sleek and they're, they're not, they're not big at all. <laughs> they look big when you don't have anything for context, except for a brush that you don't know how big it is, but you see a pronghorn fawn next to a swift fox and it just dwarfs it. Yeah, they're fun. We're lucky to have quite a few in, uh, well, I don't want to say quite a few. We're lucky to have population here in Utah, but uh, their numbers are declining and uh, they're they're considered a sensitive species here. So they're, they're tricky to find, but um, it, yeah, just beautiful species, like I said. So Jimmy, you've had to, you've had the opportunity to have quite a few different adventures. Um, is there a species or a location that's like really really high on your list that you haven't been able to get to yet that you wanna you wanna experience? I've got a whole list of species that, that <laughs> I could get into, but like uh, those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh, the the top of the list is Arctic wolves. Uh, just up in the high Arctic, and I've I've got a trip, essentially planned, not not dates or anything like that, but I've I've got my locations pretty much, you know, planned and itinerary, all that stuff. But I just you know I don't have dates or the money for it yet. But uh, that's that's top of the list is Arctic wolves. And what's your gear list look like? Sure, we want to get into this here. <laughs> um, <laughs> That, that's a fun topic. Um, so I, I, I don't carry a ton um, of weight as far as weight goes, but I do have a lot of just kind of smaller items. But depending on where I'm going, what type of trip it is, I've got some sort of shelter. So whether that's a tent or a bivy sack or a tarp, uh, something like that. You know, I've got my my sleeping system, my sleeping pad, sleeping bag, liner, all that stuff. Uh, I've got my little cook system, uh, which the only dish that I bring uh, other than my spoon is just a mug. It's a titanium mug. That's the only dish that I bring. And uh, the only thing I do with it is I boil water and then I've got some like thermal, uh, thermal bags that I rehydrate all my homemade food in. And then uh, I've got, you know, water filtration, usually like a set of clothes. I've got all my camera gear, solar chargers, um, so air have... fence if I'm in Alaska. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, when you mentioned the chargers, I remember watching one of your videos and I think you were showing your batteries and your charging system a little bit. And I was just curious if you, have you found that to be effective to actually charge your batteries, you know, on for your camera or, you know, and maybe more specifically what, what charger, what charging system are you using? Because I know for a lot of folks that end up going on an Alaskan trip, most people I know just end up buying extra batteries and not dealing, not dealing with charging. So I'm really curious to see, you know, to hear what your, what your thoughts are on that. So Alaska is a little bit different than other backpacking trips, uh, especially the most recent years where I know where I'm going. I know there's bears there. So I know I'm not going to be doing a ton of hiking with all my gear every day. So what I do on those trips now, the Alaska trips, is, you know, I'll bring like 30 batteries and <laughs> just use those because I know I'm not going to have to hike with them for miles and miles each day. And the other thing with Alaska, the area that I go to, 
the weather there is so crazy generally that I mean, I can go like a week and a half without ever seeing the sun. It's just so overcast and rainy. And so I'm not going to get a whole lot of use out of a solar charger anyways. So yeah, that Alaska trip that I go on or, you know, all those trips now, I just, I don't even bring the solar charger. I just bring a ton of batteries and then I bring a goal zero. It's the Sherpa 100 and I can get like five or six more charges out of that as a backup if I need to for my batteries and the charge lasts great. For other backpacking trips though, uh, if I'm, you know, hiking through Utah or Montana, California, wherever it is, I'll bring my uh, solar charger with that Sherpa 100 and less batteries. And while I'm hiking throughout the day, I just attach the solar charger onto my backpack and I have the cord running into my backpack into that Sherpa. And then when I get to camp at night, if I've expended some batteries, I'll just start recharging them there. And it, it's pretty effective. I can, on a good sunny day, I can get quite a bit of power out of those panels and recharge any batteries I need to throughout the trip. That's interesting. Well, but uh, links to that in the show notes. We've talked about that goal zero before, and we'll also put links to your YouTube channel so people can get on there and subscribe and, and see some of this gear that you're talking about and kind of how you go about doing your backcountry photography. I think people will enjoy For that. Sure. And you know, gear is something I'm, I'm totally passionate about gear, especially, well, the camera gear and the backpacking gear, I guess I couldn't choose one over the other, but just because they're both vitally important for what I'm doing out there. So on my website, I've actually got a page just dedicated towards gear. And I've got a pretty comprehensive list there of pretty much every item that I use. Uh, so you can go, if you've got additional gear questions or whatever, you can go and see all the items that I'm using. And then I've got uh, gear related videos that I've made actually as well that just go over the basics of uh, some of the different systems that I that I have with my gear. So hopefully that'll be helpful if anybody has any questions. Yeah, I know when I saw when I was looking through your videos that you've got, you know, some what's in my pack videos and things like that too, which would, are always helpful, right? So there's a lot there's a lot of good content out there on that on that YouTube channel for sure. But and I and I did notice one of the key um uh, pieces of equipment is your sandals. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's a whole other podcast mean, on its own at this point. I only <laughs> I only met you once, but I knew this was coming. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of funny. That's it's become kind of an identifying you know, piece of footwear, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because I've run into people just in the middle of nowhere before. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of subscribers or followers on Instagram or whatever, but word has gotten around somehow that there's this crazy guy that goes backpacking in late November wearing sandals in <laughs> you know, below freezing temperatures and words gotten around and I've gotten comments on my videos that, and emails and stuff that I need to wear shoes and just all sorts of stuff. But, you know, they're comfy and 
when you're backpacking, they've, there's a whole list of benefits I could go through if we ever wanted to uh, <laughs> discuss <laughs> that. But, you know, sandals are amazing. And, uh, you know, once hey. you use them, you, you're not going back. <laughs> right. Well, they work for you, right? And it's obvious that they work for you. You're not doing it just to, to try to, you know, show off or anything or show how strong you are, how tough you are. It's, there's a reason you do it. And I, that's, and that comes through in some of your videos too. I was just giving you a hard time for sure. But um. no, it, it's, it's funny that you mention it. Cause yeah, I've, I've had people, like I was saying that run into me and they just say, Hey, are you, is your name Jimmy by chance? Just cause I'm wearing sandals or that silly hat that I wear my winter hat and some of my videos. That's another thing people have picked out, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of become, an identifying trade, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's There's worse, worse things that could be your identifying traits. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've got those too, I'm sure. But, uh... <laughs> so real quick, Jimmy, one last, one last question for me, and then I don't know if Ron has any more questions, but um, you did mention your gear list, maybe just a little bit of specific on your camera setup that you're using. I use two different cameras primarily is I've got the uh, Canon 1DX Mark II that I use for the majority of my still images. And then I've got my uh, Canon R5 that I use completely for video at this point. And my primary lens that I use is a Tamron 150 to 600, their second version. And it's just, it's been a great lens. I'm currently uh, saving up for a different lens just because that one, that Tamron, it's been through everything and it's about giving up the ghost at this point and uh so i'm saving up for a couple other lenses right now but that's pretty much my setup right there and uh you know they're they're great cameras i do use the r5 for images if i need to be completely silent just because i do a lot of photography from blinds and so in scenarios like that where i know the animal's going to book it if it hears anything i'll uh I'll take still images with the R5, but uh, otherwise I generally use that 1DX Mark II for my images. Well, I was just going to say that is the lens that I, anybody that asks what, what's the first wildlife lens that you would buy, that's the one I steer them toward, either that or the Sigma. They're a great option and very capable. Obviously, I mean, if you look at your feed and, the sharpness that that comes with that lens if you just pay attention to technique and and uh your camera and i don't think you can beat it for especially for the price yeah it's a great lens just the versatility that it gives you you know 150 to 600 that's a huge range and i found that in in good light you can go all the way up to 600 and get reasonably sharp images uh anything in poor light past 400 or so it can get soft pretty quick but um otherwise it's you know pretty dang sharp and uh, it's great for backpacking it's got that little uh uh collar on it that collar ring and i just use that as a handle basically when i'm backpacking and it's great jimmy where can people find you on Instagram as well as your YouTube channel. Yeah, so my Instagram is Jimmy B into the wild. Uh, I I'm starting to get a little bit more into Instagram again. I used to post every day. It's been a while. Uh, I'm getting back into it a little bit more now. 
and uh, my YouTube channel is where most of my work is posted these days. And that's just my name, Jimmy Breitenstein. And I post weekly videos uh, Sunday morning, just, you know, revolving about everything we've talked about here today. And uh, I do the occasional midweek video as well. And again, we'll provide links to those uh, in the show notes. So if you have trouble finding them, just go to the show notes for this podcast and you'll be able to find the links. And Jimmy, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight. We actually thought about doing this one in the field and then somebody took too long making dinner. And so it got a little bit late in the evening. So I appreciate you uh, being flexible. Oh, of course. Thanks again for having me on. It's, it's so much fun to talk to you guys about photography. I mean, we're all passionate about it. And so it's it's just fun to talk about it. And I love talking with like-minded people about our common passion that we have here. Yeah, I'm super happy for you, Jimmy. Um, you know, good luck with the YouTube channel. And, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, big kudos for taking the leap. You know, it's it's a scary thing. A lot of people want to do it and very and very few do it. You know, and Ron recently did it as well, you know, so it's just, it's, it's a scary thing to do, but every, every single person I've ever heard do it, not one of them says, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Every single one of them says, I wish I'd have done it sooner. So there's something to be said for that. You know, it's scary. You gotta, you gotta readjust your priorities, but if there's anybody out there, you know, considering do it, you know, maybe the, maybe the best, uh, maybe the best advice would be to just, uh, get your things in order and, and, and make the leap, you know? So anyways, thank you very much, Jimmy, for joining us tonight and, you know, good luck to you on your channel and uh, any of the listeners that are listening, get, go, get, go show Jimmy some love, give him some support, go check out his videos. I think you will genuinely enjoy them. Yeah. You'll be a subscriber after the first one. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. They're, they're great. If you're having trouble falling asleep at night and you just need a little something to push you over that they're, they're really good that way too. So. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us and come back. Join us again next week with another episode of wild and exposed podcast. You've been listening to the wild and exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review and make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way.